Yeah. <laughs> right, here we go again. It's Tuesday, the 19th of February, 2013, and this is the iDeveloper Podcast, episode 80.01. Well, there we are. John, we've made it to 80 shows. We've never made it to 80 shows before together. We, we keep changing the show before then. In fact, I don't think we've ever made it to 50, so I don't know why we're talking about it. Maybe just because 80 is a nice round number. No, I think this is this is you know reflective of the new austerity in in, in Chatlandia that the retirement age is, keeps getting pushed later and later. We have to keep doing this because otherwise, how you know, how are we going to spend our retirement years? That's true. That's true. Um, I can imagine it, uh, when we reach uh, show eight hundred and forty-seven, mm. and uh, we're there saying, "Hello, John. How are you today?" And well, you, the gout's picking up, but <laughs> yeah, and you tell us about your Zimmer accident or something. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, we have a guest with us today, Mr. Saw Mora, who is the real Saw Mora, the excellent Saw Mora household. Hey, how's it going, Scotty and John? We're all the dandier for having you with us. Sweet. Yeah, it's awesome to be here. Thanks for uh, having me on. That's fine. Well, you're on because you sent me an email after last week's show. Man, that see, be, be advised, don't send Scotty emails because he's just going to put you on the show. That's right. Yeah. If you want to get on the show, it just costs you an email. <laughs> um, I'm trying to decide. Do I? Uh, let, we'll come to your email in just a moment. Okay, so let's deal with a little bit of news this week. John, you had an announcement you wanted to make, I think. Yes, on behalf of our friends at Apparent Soft, there's a, a product called Social Light, which is up for sale. And I know in the indie community, some apps have been sold and, and with quite good results. And if you're interested in acquiring an app, you should get in touch with Costa Rosen, a very fine fellow. That's Costa, K O S T A, at Apparent Soft, A P P A R E N T S O F T, ApparentSoft.com, if you're interested in acquiring Social Light. There's my announcement of the day. Excellent. That's a Great announcement. We will just leave it at that. We won't comment in any way at all because um, we do not want to jeopardize or enhance uh, the sale in any way at all. Um, okay, a uh, little bit uh, this week um, was uh, MacBook Pro laptop rev. Um, and I've been saying I would wait till the first rev and then I'd buy one. But I've decided not to. Um, I was umming and ahhing on, on Twitter and app.net. Wait, 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 night. wait. Do you hear that sound? That's the sound of everybody at Cupertino not caring. Yes. <laughs> so I'm, I'm afraid the uh, Apple stock will crash now because I am not buying a laptop. Oh, man, now I have somebody to blame. Jeez. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry, son, no college for you. Yeah. It's just not going to happen. Uh, and the main reason I'm not going to is because the Haskell processors are just around the corner. They're supposed to be released in spring 2013. And so I, I'm making the guess that the, the MacBook Pros are going to be revved again in June or July time with those new processors. And the, the Haskell is a, you know, um, uh, a, a reasonable upgrade to the processor. Uh, so Hold on decided to wait. Did you, didn't you give me copious feces for, for holding off on upgrading and holding off on upgrading? Yeah, but John, I wasn't running a 2006 MacBook Pro. Well, neither was I. No, I'm running a 2008 MacBook <laughs> Okay, well, pretty much so. All right. Anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, I know it. It's it's. Uh, I, I I really do need one, but I've decided I'm just going to wait and see what's announced at WWDC, especially as there may be a you know a new Mac Pro replacement, which I think ooh I'll have one of those instead or something. So I'm going to um uh, just going to hang on there. Anyway, there we are. Uh, but it was uh it was uh, interesting how the it just got um you know. It was just one of these revs that wasn't even announced, but there was a price drop as well. So that is more significant. There was a price drop on the MacBook Pros and on the um, Airs. Any, any think of any reason for that? Why would Apple drop their prices? I don't know. Component prices have dropped. They're pretty good at doing that, aren't they? They either drop the price or add new features. I don't know. It's the nature of electronics. Or they're trying to push more volume. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, those are probably the two most likely, but I just want to throw the sort of... Um, probably very unlikely spanner in the works that they are dropping the prices in order to make room uh, for a new high-end laptop in there as well. Wait, wait, wasn't that that uh, MacBook Pro with the Retina thing, wasn't that their kind of ultimate dream design computer? That That's the way they announced it at DubDub last year, right? 
Yeah, they did actually, I think, yeah, something like that. So maybe they don't want to put anything on top of that. I don't know. It's uh Who knows? Anyway, it's boring. I just wanted <laughs> I just wanted to make sure the world felt bad sorry for me because I didn't have a new laptop. Yeah, okay, so on the count of three, let's all cry. One, two, three. Poor Scotty. <laughs> <laughs> what was that <laughs> so? <laughs> that was a wah. <laughs> <laughs> that's almost Wait. that's almost as awful as, as our greeting for uh what's his name? Oh Simon. Oh Simon's uh, in the chat room. Oh hello. Simon's in the chat room. Now let's say hello to Simon. Oh dear, there we are. Right, um, this amazing show that you're listening to, actually, believe it or not, has a sponsor. <laughs> yeah, somebody wants to sponsor this stuff. <laughs> um, invasive code. Invasive uh, code. Invasive code. Everybody loves invasive code. There we are. <laughs> After eighty episodes, John, we're just about getting that down. Um, Evasive Code, they do uh, iOS training. Um, uh, these guys are uh, running it all over the world now. In fact, the next one is in um, February 25th in San Francisco. Then there's another one in April in San Francisco. Then in July in Italy. And then in September in Spain. So you can basically go uh, lots of different places to receive their training. Um, a few changes as well. It's uh, They do a five-day intensive course uh, based around iOS 6. Um the course includes seven hours a day of training, a couple of hours of lab time in the evening, so you can go back and work on the examples with the instructor and whatever else. Um, you get a, all the, a book with all the theory and the exercises and the copy of the slides in. They give you lunch. Um, three months of remote support afterwards. That's pretty cool. And the killer feature, as I say every time, never more than 10 people in a session so that you can get the attention that you deserve as it says on the website. Now, uh, equally, um, what they've done is they've actually also, as of April, when they uh, kick off again in San Francisco, they've broken that intensive course down into a three-day and a two-day course of the beginning stuff and then more advanced stuff. So the beginning stuff, three days, and then advanced stuff, two days. So you can actually just take the first three days of the course or the last two days of the course if you've already had some uh, training. Uh, so the five-day course is $2,600. The three... All the two-day courses, $1,500. You can check all this out at invasivecode.com. Uh, or training.invasivecode.com is probably uh, the URLs that take you straight to the page. Um, if you send them an email saying everybody loves Invasive Code, they'll give you 200 bucks off. They have given me a coupon code as well, which you can use when registering, which I cannot remember off the top of my head, so I will make sure it is in the show notes. So if you want to use the coupon code when you book instead of emailing, all that sort of stuff, um, then uh, I just check out the show notes because it's all in there. So thanks to Jeppy at Invasive Code for being remaining a sponsor of the show. We uh, we do love you guys, and um, thank you for sticking with us, even when we talk Claptrap. Right, okay, last week. Now for the tofu of the show. The tofu. As opposed to meat, sorry. <laughs> I'm not even going to go there, John. Okay. Uh, last week we were talking about um, how indie developers need to uh, focus more on business and sales and less on the tech technical stuff um, and focus their, their development time, their learning time, their uh, improvement time on that sort of thing and actually put some, some more hours into that. Uh, now, during it, uh, I mentioned a podcast that I've been listening to, um, Startups for the Rest of Us, um, which uh, quite a few people have followed. But in fact, John, we've had more response about last week's show than any other show we've ever done. Really? Yeah. People people have been sort of tweeting and emailing a lot of, a lot about it. Um, now, uh, Saul, you'd uh, been to, went to a conference called MicroConf last year, which was run by the guys who did the Startups for the Rest of Us podcast. And you had a few concerns about this whole attitude of things. So why don't you just why don't you just share a little bit with us about you know what that was, and then we can pick that up and ha- and we can basically tell you that you're wrong, and then we'll end the show. <laughs> <laughs> All right, looking forward to this one. Because uh, I was just going to say, like last week's episode, like I think I guess with a lot of other uh, indie developers, really hit a hit a hit a high note with me. I mean, it was uh, kind of another kick in the pants that I needed to kind of keep. Keep things moving as far as um, learning the business side of things, which I've, which I've done and I've tried to do, and that's why I signed up for MicroConf last year. I didn't even know this was a thing until another um, local um, iOS developer had tweeted about it, 
So, um, so he tweeted, and I looked it up, and I was like, "Oh, hey, that looks interesting. It's it's good to uh, get a perspective that's outside of, you know, our Apple iOS developer uh, bubble, right? The bubble is really nice in here, but you still got to get perspectives from outside the bubble." So I decided to do that, and uh, I went to the conference, and uh, well, it was it was a fine conference. There was a lot of uh, good information, but. Um, as I mentioned in my email to you, um, there were a few aspects that felt a little, uh, I guess, scammy. Um, and I was really quite shocked at um, just some of the surprise in, um, in people's uh, responses to certain topics like being honest with your customers or um, build awesome stuff and then they'll come back to you. It's like these are some of the things that I think we take for granted I mean, granted, we, we don't, um, you know, like you guys were mentioning last week that it shouldn't be, um, a build it and they will come kind of attitude on iOS. Yeah, build it and they'll come if it's awesome, but you also have to tell people about it and then tell them how awesome it is in, in language that they understand. I mean, that's kind of the general gist I got as far as the marketing stuff from last week. But, uh, yeah, this conference just didn't sit right with me as far as, um, pushing the right vibe, you know, having the right message. Um, but, you know, and it's not to say that these people were really bad people, like they were just all scam artists or, or internet hucksters trying to uh, get people to sign up for a mailing list and, and give you money just for being on this, this weird mailing list. They were all nice people. Everybody I talked to was really nice and friendly, and a lot of them had good ideas. But, again, I was just, like I said, I was just kind of shocked. How many? How many other places? What other types of conferences have you gone to that are outside the bubble? I mean, because I know that you you spend a lot of time in the, in the Rails world, and, and you know, I, just as a side note, I'm curious about that. How, yeah, how much bubble do we really live in? How much bubble do we really live in? So, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I'll be going outside the bubble more this summer, actually. Um, so I've got a couple of events planned. Um, I won't make any announcements just yet, but um, but yeah, my 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 outside the bubble conference event going has been fairly limited thus far. Uh, I've been to oh, there was one I I did go to a RailsConf once, and uh, yeah, it's it's just a, you know it's another developer conference. It's just I don't know, it's just different. It's it's hard to explain how how different that is. I, I think. Um, Rails Ruby Ruby people. It's funny how we can kind of group people into um, as far as the language that we're we're using, right? Ruby. You think of Ruby developers, you think of kind of these these kind of hipsterish guys with a beard that kind of hack on stuff, and I don't know, kind of hippie people, and I don't know. You got the .NET guys, and they're kind of uh, you know suit and tie kind of thing going on, and you got us. I don't even know what we are. Maybe laid back. Well, I mean, it's interesting that you say that because I, I, when I think of Rails and I think about the business app of it, I think of, of, of you know, Basecamp, for example, and that, and that whole thing about, you know, build something of a value, charge for it right away, and continually improve it. And um, in, in that, in some ways, stands in opposition to the, you know, I'm going to create this museum quality thing. I'm, you know, you're, we're told as, as Mac developers, iOS developers, polish and polish and polish and polish. You only get to launch once, so make sure it, it's as impeccable as you could possibly make it and, and then either succeed or fail and try again because you weren't good enough the first time. So the, the other thing about MicroConf is that it was very, it felt very web-focused. Um, a lot of stuff was very internet site-based. Uh, most of their examples were, again, just web web apps that they had built. And the the message, the takeaway for me was, you're not going to build a viable business without having some kind of web app. And maybe that was one of the things that rubbed me the wrong way about this particular conference. Just that every time we brought up, there was a few times where people brought up, uh, you know, like a Mac app or a standalone app that would do its thing and not have this recurring revenue base that uh, that that wasn't the way to go and as far as building a sustainable business but i you know again i think you know i'm i became a mac and ios uh, indie uh to live the dream of being able to build a product that i believe in and have that you know sustain my lifestyle and just kind of go that route but that didn't seem to be the vibe that i got there 
You see, I think um, you made the point here. It's not about whether it's about uh, downloadable software or web apps. I, I think the the business model that MicroConf was probably being pushing, and if you get into any of the startup stuff and read it, they'll give you all the reasons why. It's it's you use the word. It's about recurring revenue. It's about not starting from zero. Um, each each month is about not taking a one-time payment from your customers, but taking a payment from them every month is the way to build a, a sustainable business, a, an easy, a better way of building a sustainable business. I think the medium through which you deliver it, to be honest, is probably irrelevant. Now, the guys that were at MicroConf, they probably were doing web apps because SaaS apps are the in thing at the moment, and we all use them. I mean, how many of us pay this, you know, this many bucks a month to GitHub and this many bucks a month to fresh books and this many bucks a month to something else um yeah and and these are companies that have grown and, and become big um and sustainable so i think the point here is the startup argument is recurring revenue not one-time revenue um that's quite hard to possibly do in downloadable software i don't know well there's there's other examples of where you can still do that with downloadable software um and still so <sighs> So there's an app out there called Kickoff. Have you guys used this at all? No. So it's it's kind of like a Basecamp style thing where it has uh, it's it's a it's a regular app and uh, just a Mac app you download and uh, it's kind of like this group you know project thing. Uh, it has chat, it has files uploading, uh, it has timelines and and uh, to do list items. And uh, they just recently announced uh, or released uh, Kickoff 2. And, uh, you know, they, they are selling a service. So you, you can use it for free for, like, two people. So if you've got a small um, two-person project, you know, you can use it for free. It's, it's a pretty good thing. Um, but I mostly, you know, for me, I prefer the desktop experience. And this is kind of my, my leaning as far as, well, if I prefer this experience, there's got to be other people that prefer this experience. So I want to build apps that... You know, enhance that experience as much as possible. Um, but it's that that also doesn't mean that you can't make a uh, recurring revenue type of business model. Um, you can only that doesn't mean that you can only do it with web apps. You can also do this with with desktop apps as well. Okay, so did anybody there actually say do not do downloadable software? Uh, they didn't say don't do it, but it was it was kind of like uh, I'm going to say frowned upon. It wasn't like the it wasn't the in thing there. It's, you know, it's like if you go to it's it's like going to a you know a Mac conference and being the 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 Windows guy saying that Windows is a thing. You know, you're gonna you're gonna stand out or you're gonna feel left out if if you're you know. So it's it just didn't feel right to me having you know obviously my background in uh, iOS and Mac development. Well, I mean that that's that's put it around. So is. Is there any reason why not to do a recurring software, a recurring revenue model where it's, it's a service? I mean, you know, Adobe. I, I don't, I don't know the numbers, but they did switch to this idea of, of of renting, essentially renting Creative Suite because they they had saturated the market. Everybody who could professionally justify the eight hundred dollars or thousand dollars or whatever the kind of annual fee for getting the the upgrade, and they realized that you know plenty of people were pirating it or or whatnot, and so they made it possible for for people to have it at a much lower price. So if if a, if a behemoth like Adobe can do it. Why shouldn't every indie be able to do it, especially given services like Parse or StackMob, which would make it pathetically easy to, to now build up your back end? And even the fact that, that for instance, if, if, if there's a storage component, you know, Amazon's S3 lets you make it very clear what each user's portion of their storage is and even pass through the billing with, with markup if, if you want. So, Well, you can certainly do that. I mean, Microsoft does that now. I mean, you see Microsoft Office uh, basically yeah. for rent for $99 a year now. Oh. Yeah, which I I think is way overpriced, but hey, you know that's the market to decide. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's certainly a, the way to do it um, for many apps, and it, and it, I think it's very app dependent and idea dependent. Like, um, you know, you, you mentioned like Parse and and uh, you know all these other backend syncing services. You know, that is definitely one way to do uh, to do that for desktop and mobile software. Um, there's another app that I used for quite some time. It was called The Hit List um, by Potion Factory. And they sold a yearly um, or monthly subscription to the syncing service. So you could download the app. It was $50 for Mac and I think it was $10 for iOS. But to enable syncing to work, 
you had to pay the the year long subscription fee, which was like twenty dollars a year. And the syncing worked great. Um, but the thing is, you know, I think expectations might also be different on uh, you know mobile native mobile. Uh, software and desktop software. I think the expectation is you buy it once and you kind of own it. And this rental, yeah. this rental model that's prevalent on web services and software as a service kind of things is is it's just not expected on the desktop. But I mean, it's not expected on the desktop today. But the point is, is it go where we're going tomorrow? I mean, I, th- I think a lot of these people who've probably done web apps because web apps is their background or their skill but you just look at stuff like um you know campfire where you can either use the web client or you can use a desktop client or you can use the mobile client the point isn't here i think the what the software is operated in i think the point here is the people trying to tell us how to make money and who have successfully done it are telling us to make recurring money, not one-off money. And all those things that you've said before, they're, they're, they're things where you subscribe to a service that the software uses or enhances the software. Maybe you don't even have to use that service. Um, one of our colleagues um, who lives here in, in, in East Bollockshire, um, you know, he has an accounting app. And again, just like you said, he sells a syncing service to sync your accounts between your Mac, your your iPad, your iPhone. And that's a, a six-monthly or quarterly subscription. And that makes him, you know, as much money as the app makes him. Um, and is an important part of the, uh, of the business model because you can only get someone to buy the app once, but you can get them to keep paying for the syncing. Um, and he's providing a service, so it's not like he's scamming anybody. So the point is here about is about providing a service. In you know, does your application provide a service which somebody is willing to pay for? Um, I find it interesting that uh, a lot of the success stories we hear um, often will come around that sort of recurring revenue. I mean, I'm talking about the, the people who are just moderately successful. They're not, you know, there's always a story of someone who just goes out of control and angry birds or whatever else and he goes mad. But uh, lots of the business software and things going forward, and even people who started um, with just desktop software often seem to now be building services and additional things on the back end as well. Well, you, you look at Apple even, and services are going to be a key part of their thing now. I mean, they've sold hardware for the longest time that had software that enhanced their hardware, and now they're, you know, building you know cloud services that try to enhance their hardware. So services are going to be there. I don't deny that. And the thing is, is you know, you can you need to charge for those services that you provide, and that's that's a key thing. Like you think iCloud is free, well, you, you know, you get beyond 5 gigabytes of storage and now you're starting to pay, you know, 50 100 dollars a year for for all your storage. And that's fine. That's that's a good way to go. Um but I think the thing that that didn't sit right with me as far as microconf goes is just I can't put my finger on it but and, but there was a particular vibe that I got that certain certain aspects of of their business model just didn't feel like I anything that I wanted to pursue because it felt scammy to me. Um, and, and certain other people that I've talked to, um, they had a similar uh, reaction to to certain things as well. And, and it wasn't – I wouldn't say that was what the theme of the conference was. The theme of the conference, I think, goes more to what you were saying as far as you know, have subscription revenue, build a service that people want to use and, uh, and, that, and that kind of thing. But there were set, still certain elements of kind of like this old uh, – I don't know, uh, you know, infomercial type of thing. Like it's going to do everything and and do it in three easy payments and and then uh, you know solve all your problems, but not really, and uh, especially not on the first version. So is that really sleazy? Is it sleazy? Is this is my thing? You know, uh, something I've learned um, recently. I think we might have even mentioned this on last week's show. Is you know, as a developer, I have a complete aversion to email. I really don't like it. However, most people love email and they actually quite like receiving email and like reading email. So having an email list that sends out to people maybe doesn't appeal to me, but might appeal to lots of well, my customers are developers, so it's not going to. But you know you know what I'm saying. Is is this is it feel scammy because it's not your culture or is it really scammy? Uh you know, I really wish I could remember the exact things again. This is like, you know, more than a almost a year ago. Um but you know, I even just chatted with a friend of mine right now, and he was like, "Just making sure." Like, we both felt kind of weird going to this conference, right? And he's like, "Yeah, that's why I didn't buy a ticket this year." Um, so yeah, it's just 
you know, it, it didn't feel right with, with more than one of us. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's been hard to remember, but the thing is I get, I can go and like you posted in the show notes here, the, uh, the videos that I had found from last year. Um, I don't think that's all the talks that is just the ones that they posted. Um, so, um, you can go see for yourself if some things were scammy. And there were also things that didn't really apply to us uh, in general, like the Google uh, keywords, AdSense kind of thing, like how to how to manipulate AdSense so that you can get some most revenue out of out of your search terms or something. Like I, I kind of didn't care, so I really didn't pay attention. Well, I, that, these things all st- to me point to one thing that that you you continually have to kind of ask for the for permission to to keep you know keep this relationship going with, with, with your customers, you know, whether that's the, the form of, of, you know, your subscription is up, would you like to keep going or, you know, it, it still comes down to the idea that you have to think of your customers as, as people that you're having this type of conversation with and you can't just like leave them hanging. You know? Well, see, and that's, that's the thing. So you just kind of hit on something that's very Apple focused. I think that kind of attitude is very prevalent in the iOS uh, community, especially, you know, amongst, uh, you know, just amongst people that I know. And I, I didn't get, I got the feeling that that was news to a lot of people there. And that felt odd. Mm. Okay. We have to remember, okay, that let's say you were a, a, a corporate coder, a Java coder or a .NET coder or something like that. And you suddenly feel that you want to start your own business, do your own software, um, Okay, so you start doing a bit of internet browsing. The reality is the things you are going to come across, first of all, um, if you don't learn how to filter, are really scammy. You know, it's the, it's the sort of websites that say, you know, here you are, you can have this amazing PDF on how to become a millionaire from software in two minutes, you know, for just $47. Oh, and here's $357,000 worth of extras and goes on for seven pages with, the, you know, seven meters of a page you know, with the yellow. You know the type of site I'm talking about, Yeah. Yeah, well, lots, but, of, it, lots of people yes. are going to. That's that's going to be where their first experience is, and they're going to be like this. Um, and you know, if people are thinking that that's what uh, the startup and this type of conference and the podcast I was talking about is about, you know, it's a million miles from that. In fact, that is hated as much as is 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 we hate it. Um, I know by the people who do this. However. A lot of the techniques and underlying things that those people use in those crappy products and scamming, they use for a reason. They use because they work, because they are fundamentally good sales techniques. So the point is, uh, it can we can start feeling it's a bit scammy because we see these people, but the reality is, it's about taking techniques uh, that work and then using them honorably and using them correctly, not using them in a scammy way. But the techniques themselves are not necessarily bad. Yeah, what's the line that you cross? I mean, where is that line where you know a good technique turns into scamminess? Well, I, I mean, I think it's it's when when you actually are delivering value. I know this is an obvious thing, but you know, whenever you have see one of these, how do you get rich? Well, you get rich by 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 writing a book or or you know an offering that tells people how to get rich, and and so that that's very it. But I think. When you talk about, you know, you keep bringing up uh, the example of your East Balkshire friend. I mean, I don't think that he would have succeeded if had, were he not to to deliver value every single month or or whatever the, the the renewal interval is. At some point, people have to say, "Has this saved my saved me time? Has it given me you know some amusement? Has it done whatever whatever it's supposed to?" Um, and if it does, yes, great. You you get the right to keep going or not. I mean, the 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 guy Paul Hawken, I'm a big fan of him. He wrote a book called On Growing a Business, and he's been around for a long time. But he he he's his his dad was a was a shopkeeper, and he just talked about you know that that when you were the, the the prototypical small town you know shop owner, you have to earn the right to stay in business every single day, and it's these these regular things that you do, even sweeping up outside your shop to show that you care about it. You know, all these little small details that that people do, knowing what people buy, or you know, knowing when people need credit because they're a week off from getting their paycheck, whatever. You know, these types of things that 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 good marketeers, good salespeople, good good companies that stay in contact with the customers do every single time. They're constantly you know, proving to their, their customers, yes, you know, I, I earn the right to your business. And that, that's all there is. I mean, I, I think 
as far as me going into uh, the software business myself, you know, I have experience being a customer. I think everybody has experience being a customer. And there's always things that we see in businesses that it's like, why do they do that? I hate when they do that. And we kind of think, well, if, if I hate when they do that, why, you know, why would I do the same thing? Um, I kind of think like, you know, once I release a product or two here, um, that I, I think that I'll treat customers the way that I want to be treated. And, and that, you know, that means, you know, telling the truth on, on advertising. If I do advertising and marketing and things like that, you know, like you said, being honorable, I think is, is the key thing here. And, and I, I think that vibe permeates the iOS Mac. Uh, landscape for for most of the things that I've I've been around. You know, most people that I'm associated with, they, they keep that in mind. They want their customers to get the most out of their apps and uh, and do what they can to to achieve that. So, are you telling me that the people who were presenting this conference were telling you not to do that? I wouldn't say they were. Well, so and so. Here's the thing: is like you're. you're the podcast, I have not listened to it. I, I signed up and I found out that, oh, they did the Microcoff thing. And, well, Microcoff just kind of gave me a bad vibe. Um, but I want to listen to their podcast and I, I've downloaded a few episodes, so I'll, I'll uh, do some research there. But, but as far as the, the conference goes, it, they didn't tell you not to do anything. I mean, just, they're just telling you that, you know, software as a service is a thing and recurring revenue is a thing. And here's some other marketing things that may or may not work. Some of those marketing things, again, they felt kind of scammy. Yeah, but this, this is the point. As a developer, you think all marketing is scammy. This is, this <laughs> is the problem I was saying last, last week. We as developers hate marketing, and therefore we think everybody hates marketing. And the reason that most iOS businesses... Um, are not making money or, or macOS business are not making money for their owners is is got nothing to do with the quality of the products we know that has got to do with the fact that they just don't bloody market it well, and because they, they because they think marketing is a scam or marketing is sleazy or marketing is is, is horrible to people but marketing is as John said is presenting something to somebody in a way that demonstrates the value of it to them so do, do you enjoy buying like a used car or anything? I mean, that's kind of marketing and sales too, but nobody likes car salesmen. No, but, no, uh, but, but, but I think you're, you're going to, to too much of extreme. I, I was going to say, uh, you know, I don't know about, about your guys' wives, but you know, my, my wife is a, has been a big fan for many years of, of these kind of newsletter things like Guilt or Daily Candy, and I think they're incredibly well done. I mean, I remember looking at them the first time, and for those who don't know, they're basically, you know, the, these odds and end sales. So, you know, Guilt as a company says, you know, we, we've got a good deal on product XYZ. It could be anything. It could be Henkel knives. It could be, you know, a, a pair of shoes. It could be whatever. And they're beautifully presented newsletters that take you to a site. The site themselves are extremely well made with, with you know, mousing over and being able to, to zoom in and see the product from multiple different ways. It's when you buy it, it's unconditional guarantee. You know, so if it doesn't work for whatever reason, not the right size, you didn't like it, no questions asked, you send it back. But the whole point of it is, is that it's every day is something new. So daily candy is, is something I think that maybe predates it, and it's it's a very localized thing. I think it started, I don't know whether it started in New York or San Francisco, but whatever. It's basically somebody's editorial saying, here's something really interesting, literally daily candy. Here's your little short, you know, tasty little morsel of things to do, something that's opening up. And and there's kind of equivalent for, for that are more male-oriented. There's Urban Daddy, kind of the same thing. Here's the new whiskey bar. Here's the new barbecue place, whatever. But, I, you know... I used to kind of poo-poo those things because I would see my wife spending all this time with it and I would get all indignant. It's like, I can't believe you're wasting your time doing that stuff. But you know, my wife's very intelligent, so why would she – Why would she if, if she's doing it, is she really wasting her time? What What is it that's engaging about it? And I just watched over her shoulder and I asked her about it. And it, it's – it, it was really interesting that you know the, the the way I changed my whole perception of of these marketing and email blasts, and I've come to really um, respect it. And because you can do it, and it can be extremely well done. You know, I actually I, I love getting some newsletters. There's there's you know there's a, a shop in Hayes Valley in San Francisco that 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 sells kind of men's haberdashery. And I just I, I love the way that they, they write. And I, I, I there's a, there's a you know a restaurant in, in my hometown. I love the, their their email newsletters, and it, it makes me really really want to, to buy from them or go you know have a meal at that restaurant and go out of my way of doing it. So 
to, to, to kind of say, well, you know, there, here's, here's an example of sales and marketing which is scammy, i.e. The, 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 the used car salesman, but just because that exists doesn't mean that, that all, all marketing is scammy. Well, and I'm not trying to say that all marketing is scammy or that I don't like marketing at all. I think what you hit on there is that newsletters are actually providing you a service rather than you having to search through the interwebs and uh, do all this stuff to kind of find the stuff that you want. Um, these guys are actually providing a service, curating some articles, you uh-huh. know, providing some content that's useful for you because you signed up for it. You went proactive first, and then they followed up and said, "Here's some stuff that I found useful." It's kind of like uh, like iOS Dev Weekly with with uh, you know Dave Warner's newsletter, right. newsletter, right? I still sign up for that. I, I hate email and newsletters like everybody else, but I sign up for that one. I also have other ones that I sign up for that provide me curated content that deliver it to me and provide me a service and you know occasionally I'll follow up with that with a purchase or you know some other forward or something like that but what you're talking about is somebody providing me a service so it's kind of uh it's not scammy in that uh I'm just getting an email and they're just saying buy this now it's going to you know um bring back all your hair and make you lose weight and it does it in 2 weeks and no effort you know it's not this kind of scammy lied marketing kind of thing it's providing me a valuable service giving me content that i asked for and doing it in a well presented way that's appealing to me that makes me want to open it read it digest it and act on it if it's appropriate and i've watched most of these videos from the microconf that are available not the ones that weren't and i would say they just said yeah that's what they've just told you to do nothing different this is the point. What you have just pre- what you have just what you have just presented is is what every scammer does. They they send emails, they send newsletters, but equally it's what everybody marketing does as well. They just do it well. Um, and I think we have to as developers break out of this sending someone an email or optimizing my web page to get traffic or using some um, Google Ads or whatever else. It is is just crappy sleazy techniques because actually you know it's just it's just marketing and it needs to be done to be done well. So I, I don't think that those techniques per se are are bad. I mean, you know, um, like an SEO kind of thing. I think the job title of SEO is kind of not really useful, but doing SEO is some things that say, well, they're searching on these keywords. Obviously, well, I just want to help them out and say, well. You know, you're searching for app that does this thing that you know writes blogs or whatever. Um, it should have these keywords on the top so that when they search for those, well, those bubble up. But when you start putting competitors, uh, you know, uh, app names and other keywords that are not really relevant but still bubble up to the top anyway, that's when you, I think, you get to the scammy part. Yeah. Okay. So this is the point. We associate as developers, we are associating sales and marketing with the secondhand car salesman type of marketing, and therefore stepping away from it as opposed to doing it properly. But the techniques to to use are exactly the same. You know, to to do good s to say because some people put competitors' names in and that's bad for SEO. I shouldn't do SEO. It's just absolute nonsense. Um, how many people do spend time SEOing their landing page for the, for their products? I mean. You've spent all this time building a great product. Surely you want to get people to come in and have at least a chance of reading about it in order to buy it. I mean, you're not forcing anybody to do anything. You're just trying to make yourself findable um, around there. And we, it's, I think we have to break out of this. It's sleazy mentality. It's damaging us. It's meaning not enough people are making a living from selling their products that should be making a living from selling products. And I'm sorry, if you have to do consulting, you are not an indie developer. You are a consultant with a hobby. That's, I'm, I know that's pretty blunt, but that's the truth. You cannot call yourself an indie developer if you do not live off the the, the results of your products and you do consulting. You are a consultant, um, and we need to stop kidding ourselves and take this stuff seriously. That shut everybody up, hasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and that's harsh, but we call ourselves indies when we when we actually go out and work for the man. Maybe as freelancers or consultants, but we're not living off our products. And oh, we right. need to live I... off our products. Otherwise, it's, it's you know, uh, as I said last week, if you're just doing it because you love doing it and you, you're happy for it to be a hobby, that is fine. Nobody nobody should condemn you in any way at all. If you're trying to earn a living off it and build a business and you're not focusing on marketing and doing these things as well, then you are not doing your business properly. And you, you know, if you're having to supplement your income as a consultant, it's because you're not selling your product properly. Or your product's not good enough, one or the other.
Yeah, no, that's some uh, that's some hard medicine to take, but no, I I think you're right. But the, I guess the, you know the overall thing that we're talking about though is marketing is scammy, and I don't think I ever said that marketing is scammy. It's just I think there maybe there maybe that to be clear is that there's probably being there's a, a line that you know you can be honest up to a point, and then you cross the line, and then you're scammy. And I, I think. None of us developers want to be in that scammy part, and you know myself included. Yeah, I want to do marketing when I when I have a product to to sell, and I'll do it in, in the most honest way that I can. Um, but you know, it's it's definitely it's it's one of those things. I just I don't like the scammy part. <laughs> yeah, I think we're in danger. It's like saying I don't like the internet because there are people who are bigoted on it. It's, well, you know, the other thing is like, uh, you know, to be a leader, you got to lead by example, right? So, you, you know, you follow the, the people that you admire because they do things the way that you, you think that they should be done. And that's why I follow people that, that I don't feel are scammy. They do things that, that definitely help people or, or whatever. They just do it in a way that doesn't take advantage of, of, of people in, in, uh, you know, in the ways that they weren't expecting. Yeah, I just want to pick up in the chat, chat room. There is nothing wrong with being a freelancer or a consultant, by the way. I'm not dissing freelancers and consultants. I'm just saying that it's that's a different type of business. Okay, when we when I use the term indie, I'm talking about someone who dev- small independent person who develops their own product and sells it. Okay, so that's so my defi- that's be, my definition. Right. So an example of indies would be like Tatbots or um, No Thirst Software. They both make products off of or make money off of their products directly um and they that's it and they live 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 for their apps and that's all now now don't get me wrong okay one of the reasons one of the things that i think we have to look at and the process is of of, of setting up your indie business is called bootstrapping now bootstrapping is where you set up an indie business while continuing to work in a full-time job or be a consultant or a freelancer or whatever you call yourself but the point is always to build the business to a point that you don't have to do that um, or that it's sustainable in its own right of earning an income. Um, it doesn't mean a business fails if it doesn't earn you its total income um, either, but if you're, um, because some businesses will max out at a, you know, naturally max out at a level that isn't a full income for people. You know, some, some software is never going to sell $150,000 worth a year. It's just not got a big enough market. That's just a reality. So the point is to build that software to the point that it's maxed out, that's successful, whether it's a full income or not. Um, but I think to uh, to just have it in your plan that I'm going to do you know, consulting, that, that just puts you in a permanent bootstrapping situation. Um, and you have to ask, well, you know, what's the point sometimes of, of doing that, unless it's for the love of doing it, which in that case, that is fine. Yeah, so, the bootstrapping is just pretty tough. Well, so I, I wanted to say something. <laughs> you know, I, I saw an email which which was uh, it was it was something on Twitter. Somebody basically had a little blog post of of kind of a checklist of things. Don't bother doing software development, you know, iOS, Mac development without doing these things. You know, use Arc. Storyboards are good to get started, but but you know, you're going to run into issues. You know, make sure that you have test coverage. So basically, all the things that people have have learned um, the hard way, and and it's a nice reminder for people getting started. And I think it's 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 I think reasonable to say that you should not release a product until you do these things, and that we could we could come up with a, with a, a list. But to me, a couple of things come to mind. I, I think, in particular, about uh, Dan Wood and and Corellia, you know, iWeb, and oh, sorry, not you know, who 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 got who 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 launched an app and 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 got Sherlocked twice, right? But one of the things that he always did is, is, is spent an enormous amount of time on, on dealing with the life cycle of a customer engaging with him from the time that they came to their website, said, hey, would you like to sign up for a newsletter, to the time when they went to download the software and, and knew whether they could have the checkbox off because of a cookie that they, they knew they'd be in contact, the fact that they are regularly in, in contact with the customers with something value. And, and I think that, that if you can't answer those questions of, how are you going to be in contact with your, your customers? How, what, what's your plan? If, if you don't have the time to, to write a newsletter every time, who's going to do it for you? How are you going to, to, to write blog posts or do these types of things that will naturally create real SEO for you because you're writing about things and, and you put it on a blog and there's a slug you know, in the URL that, that get picks up by, by search engines? How are you going to, you know, how are you going to, to earn your, your business, repeat business 
on some regular intervals. If you can't answer those questions, don't bother getting started. Is that a reasonable thing to say? I would say it is. Well, it sounds like a lot of the same things that you would say for somebody who's trying to, um, I would say, promote their career in, in development, software development, or anything. Really, you know, so, you start blogging yeah. about stuff, and you know, you give people value. You see, you know, here's the things that I learned, and you get value out of out of my writings, and you know, and uh, it's the same thing with the business. A business should, you know, do those kinds of things and and promote themselves in those kind of value driven ways. So right, so then, so and so, all those things are the same, and 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 that's true. I mean, I, I'm fond of saying, being an indie anything, you have to develop your audience, and it doesn't matter whether you're a band or a filmmaker or a software developer. So, I don't know. I think I'll turn it back over to Scotty, but I, I wanted to, to to get that out there that there really has to be a checklist of things that you have to answer honestly. Without and if you can't answer them reasonably, then you don't have a product based business. Yeah, I think the what the key idea that uh, Scotty mentioned last week was that you need to be honest with yourself. Are you really trying to be an indie, or are you really just trying to be a consultant and call yourself indie? I think I, I think John, you just hit the nail on the head there. It's um, uh, don't get me wrong. The the Mac and iOS world are really nice places to live, but I think sometimes we're too nice. Um. And we forget that this is about making a living and it's about business and, and we get all locked up in the fluffiness of how wonderful the community is and isn't that great. Um, but you know, uh, but at the end of the day, if you're setting out to run a business, then run a business. It, it's, it's a business. It's, you're not a software developer, you're a businessman, so be a businessman. Um, this, and as John's sort of said, I think, you know, if you're not prepared to be a businessman, don't set out in that direction. <laughs> you know, uh, earn your money some other way and just enjoy developing for you know on the side for your own stuff for the for the sake of it, which lots of people do, and have a great time doing it. Um, and I just uh, yeah, there are lots of people out. Don't get me wrong, there are lots of people out there trying really hard at some of this stuff. Yeah, you know, I'm not slagging people off, uh, but I'm just saying I don't think we're ruthless enough at it. I don't think I, I don't think we as a community. Present the right attitude towards it. I think we are too um, anti-marketing and anti-sales, and we say it's all scummy and scuzzy. It makes people feel guilty about doing anything of that nature. And actually, we need to say no. We're not anti that. This is how you do it, and how you do it well, and really promote that as a community, and stop saying it's sleazy or it's rubbish or it's whatever else because it doesn't help us in any way at all. Well, you know, if if we take our examples from Apple as we do quite often, you know, we always. You know, we can look at their marketing, and, and uh, you know, you can tell the difference between an Apple ad and a Microsoft ad. Microsoft gets all dancey, like their Surface ads are—I have no idea what they're about. Um, it's just a Surface kind of dancing around the screen. Um, but with Apple ads, they show you the product, they show you what it can do, they show you why it's useful for your real life circumstances, and it's done. You know, those are the kinds of of things that maybe we can take from Apple. Yeah, we still need to market. Apple markets, you know, a lot, um, but they keep it focused and they keep it real and they keep it honest for the most part. I mean, I haven't seen anything that's very scammy from from Apple, um, but I think if we take those examples to our own business, we can still do marketing and 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 all that and just you know basically learn from the best. Yep, I mean Apple are market more, you know, as much as anybody else does, and they don't feel bad about it. <laughs> That's for sure. Right, okay, I think we're in danger of going round in circles if we uh, continue this on any any further. Um, John, do you um, uh, have anything you want to just finish off with? I just don't want to sort of shut it down without giving someone a last chance to say no. anything. No, I, 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 I think we've said our piece. I mean, I think that that the last thing to just keep in mind, it, it, you know. Joshua said, well, okay, if you don't have a product business, you have a service business. And we, we've been going around with these different things. Still, when, it, when it's all said and done, there are some, some fundamental business management, business relationship, customer relationship management things that apply to whatever type of business you're doing. And you have to pay attention to them. You have to give the same amount of love and care to them as you do to your code. If not, you're just not, never going to be successful at it in a commercial sense. Excellent. So... Yeah, no, I just want to thank you again for last week's episode. It was definitely a really good kick in the pants, I think, for a lot of us. And, you know, you're right that we do need to be more, you know, have that business mindset. But I think John also mentioned that we don't want to give up 
the passion that brought us here in the first place. And I think if we can kind of mix those two well, I think we'll be setting ourselves up for uh, for for some good stuff in the future. And and it's kind of my plan is to definitely um, you know take that kick in the pants to, to heart. Yeah, I mean, I think people need to get where I'm coming from here. I love the Mac and iOS developer community, and I want it to succeed, but I don't believe we can succeed with what people... What are people's dreams? People, you meet so many developers, and their dream is to be their own product-based business, as John would say. Um, you know, I'm just a reality check. If you're not prepared to do this stuff, then you ain't going to make a product-based business. Um, you know, I want you to succeed, so I'm going to tell you the truth. That's 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 how I'm seeing this. You know, I want people to. I'm not here to slap people down. I'm here to sort of you know say, come on, this is what you need to do if you want to win. Um, so uh, hopefully it will be received that way. John, tell people where they can find you. So you can find my product Memory Miner at memoryminer.com. There's a whole series of blogs over the years that I think you would find interesting at memoryminer.com/blog. You should follow me on Twitter as Jembe. That's D J E M B E, like the West African drum. So, yeah. So you can find me on the interwebs on Twitter um, at Casa de Mora. You can also find me on my uh, podcast uh, NS Brief. Uh, it's become become quite popular with the kids these days. It's uh, pretty cool. Um, yeah. Excellent. And uh, I'm Scotty um, from here at iDeveloper TV. Um, and you can follow me on Twitter as MacDevNet, and you can follow me on. Um, uh, what's the other one? App.net as it as uh, <laughs> as uh, as Scotty. <laughs> oh, there we are. Never mind. Um, and uh, that's about it. We want to thank our sponsors once again, Invasive Co. Go check them out at training.invasiveco.com. Don't forget to check the show notes for uh, our the um, uh, uh, coupon code to get your money off. And um, that's it. Until next time, you all take care. <laughs> Thank you.